Joshua 24. I'm going to skip around just a little bit if that's all right. And if it's not, just act like it is. Praise God. Joshua 24 and verse number 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. He called for the elders of Israel, for their heads and for their judges, for their officers. And they presented themselves before Joshua or God? Joshua called the meeting. But the people presented themselves before God. And then Joshua said unto all the people, now you talk about the audacity of a man that would have the guts to speak for God. Joshua said to the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. How about that? Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, Abraham's father, the father of Nahor. They served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, and I led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and I multiplied his seed, and I gave him Isaac. Now, I'd like to go to verse 14, if we could. Same chapter, 24, and verse 14. He said, I called Abraham out, and I blessed him, and I gave him Isaac. I kept my word. Verse 14, now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Here comes the call. Put away the gods that your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Isn't that something? Are we figuring out now why some of them didn't want to leave Egypt? They were serving other gods in Egypt. He said, put them away and serve ye the Yahweh, the one true God, serve him. Verse 15, and if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord. My God, this is so powerful. He said, we're living in a time where people are literally going to say, it feels evil to me to serve the Lord. Whoa. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that in Joshua 24? We're always so in a hurry to get to choose this day. He led it up with, if it seems evil to you, for you to serve the Lord, he said, then choose this day whom you're going to serve. If this feels evil, then you find what you think's right. He said, if it's evil to you, then choose whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But here's my declaration. I'm not speaking anymore on behalf of God. This is a transitional moment for Joshua. Joshua then said the Lord God. He said, but now I'm going to talk for me. I'm not speaking on behalf of God anymore. As for me and my house... We're going to serve. Mm. We're going to serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. 
Now, I want to tell you, there's a lot you could read into this. There's a lot, and, and we're, we're going to preach about it today. But I do want to point out something very powerful that the children of Israel believed until this day. That if, if there is any other deity in your life that is not the Lord by himself, then it's not the same God. He's not the same God. If he's divided into other gods, he's not the same God. We will not forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Now, I'm going to ask you a question today. Moses actually posed this question in Exodus, the 32nd chapter, okay? But I want to pose it to you today at FPC in the house of the Lord. And I want to ask you on October the 3rd, 2021, who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? You may be seated in the matchless name of Jesus, for there's none other name under heaven given among men. Woo, come on, somebody preach to me now. Whereby we must, woo, that's good preaching. Y'all are lighting it up this morning. Anybody thankful for the name of Jesus? I want to let you in on a secret this morning. I wouldn't trade him for silver or gold. I wouldn't trade him for riches untold. I wouldn't trade him for anything in this world. I'm glad to be a child of God. Praise the Lord. Can we walk down a little path of history together this morning? So Joshua 24 is essentially the renewing of the covenant. Joshua is coming to the end of his life. He is getting ready to draw his last breath, pull his feet up in the bed, and call it quits for eternity. It's very interesting. But before his death, Joshua, the great successor of Moses, regathers the people of Israel at Shechem. And the speech that I was reading you today in Joshua, the 24th chapter, is Joshua's last and final speech. It's his last hurrah before the people. He is calling them to remembrance. Now, the Bible tells us that he brought them to a place called Shechem. Shechem is uh, very important here because this is not the first time that Joshua has addressed the children of Israel at Shechem. Now, geographically speaking, and there's not going to be a pop quiz on this, but it is important for you to understand a little bit about Shechem, a little bit about why Joshua has them at Shechem. It's near two mountains. There's one mountain that's called Mount Gerizim, and the other mountain is called Mount Gebal, uh, Mount Ebal. And uh, this is the place. Why is it important? Why is it important? It's important because this is the place where the Lord unconditionally promised to Abraham the land of Israel. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, is where you're going to find that. It's also the place where Joseph was abducted. And then later in chapter 25, we find out that's where Joseph was buried. But it's a place of utmost importance historically. Because it is the place where the blessings and the cursings of Israel were recited after Joshua had led the children of Israel into the land of Israel before, into the promised land years before in Joshua the 8th chapter. At his earlier ceremony in Shechem, Joshua, the Bible said that he inscribed large stones. 
And he took the word of the Lord and inscribed the word of the Lord on those stones. And he built an altar at the foot of the mountain because his predecessor, Moses, had done the same thing at Sinai. And Joshua realized that if God is going to seal covenant with his people, it's always going to be an altar that's involved in it. And the Bible said that on that first visit there to Shechem, that they had offered sacrifices. And he divided the tribes of Israel right down the middle. And six of the tribes went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim. The other six tribes stood on top of Mount Ebal. And it was there that the Levites, the Kohonim, the priesthood, stood in the midst of the valley with the Ark of the Covenant. And as they're standing there, it's like God is in the middle of them. His presence is in the middle of them. The priesthood is in the middle of them. And on one side, you had six tribes. And on the other mountain, you had the other six tribes. And there was a call that day. This one side represented the cursings of those that loved idolatry and the other represented the blessing of those that would worship the one true God. And it was like God came and stood right in the middle of it and said, you're going to have to make a decision for my presence. Are you going to follow after the gods of your fathers or will you be on the blessed mountain and follow after the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I tell you today that the call is still resounding in the atmosphere. I want to know what mountain are you willing to stand on today? Who is on the Lord's side? Now, I'm watching my time today, and I'm going to do my best to get you in and out of here, but I can't make you a promise like Domino's Pizza, okay? <laughs> Domino says it's hot and fresh in 30 minutes or less, and it's free, and it's not. If I go 35, you're going to pay full price. <laughs> Listen to what I'm telling you today, okay? I talked about this Sunday. There is a true spirit of resignation in the earth today like I have never seen in my life. It is a rollover and just wait to die spirit. It's a spirit of resignation that rests on our nation. It rests on the church. And it's like, well, I guess we'll just have to get by till Jesus comes. No. I'm not just going to get by till Jesus comes. I'm not just going to wait for the rapture to happen and then get caught out of here. I want to be found when he comes back in the greatest revival that history has ever recorded. I don't want to be standing, twiddling my thumbs, and just waiting on the Lord to come back. I hope that when he comes back, I'm standing in the baptistry, baptizing somebody in the name of Jesus, and we go in the rapture together. I pray to God that I snatch every soul out of hell that I can between now and the coming of the Lord. I pray that I teach every Bible study I can. I pray that I preach to every prisoner that I can. I pray that I preach everywhere that I can. If the Lord doesn't come back before I die, let me die preaching. Let me die reaching. I'm not going to die quitting. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? I'm not stopping short of my inheritance. 
I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stop short of what God has promised me. May it be said of us today as it was of those in Faith Hall of Fame, these died in the faith. Not having possessed the promise. When I take my last breath, I'm going to be declaring that God is bringing children home. That God has given us revival. That God has given us harvest. If I die, let me die in the faith. Still preaching what I've always believed. But I'm not going to quit. I don't know how people retire from ministry. Just being honest. I mean, I, I can understand them retiring from a post. I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm 40. I got five good years left. <laughs> I mean, good grief. I'm jumping on this five years, uh, five, uh, retiring at 45. That sounds good, don't it? Look, I'm telling you right now, you may be able to, I'm just joking, by the way. Everybody take a deep breath. I'm not retiring at 45. I'm going to do it at 46. Look, I want to tell y'all something today. You can stop filling the pulpit as the senior leader and not be retired. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, you can retire from a position, but being a soul winner is not a special calling that's on a few people. You were brought out of darkness into his marvelous light that you may show forth his praises. If you're breathing, you're a soul winner. If you're breathing, you ought to be reaching. If this truth be hidden, it is hidden from them that are lost. You've got a circle of people that I can never touch. But may it be that if the Lord comes back today, he finds you in a reaching posture. But the spirit of this age is, and I, I'm being serious with you this morning. I've never seen anything like it. This is the spirit of the age. Well, I'm just not willing to die on that hill. You know where we're at with our nation right now? There's, there's people all the time, they're just like, well, I'm just not willing to die on that hill. Well, which one are we willing to die on? I mean, what's, what, does, what, what has to happen... Before we finally pick a hill and say, I'm, I'm willing to die on that one. This, this resignation spirit says, you know, I, it's okay. I mean, I'm thankful I have the Holy Ghost. But I don't think you have to have the Holy Ghost. So let's just fellowship together. I believe you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. But if they don't, it's okay. Hey, I just want to know, what hill are you willing to die on? What is it that you're willing to finally just relinquish to the idea, acquiesce to the idea, like, I'm a quitter. I gave up. I don't, I don't believe it as much as I do. Listen, I want to tell you all something this morning, and I can't preach this hard enough. I don't think I could say if I stripped all the gears in my vocal cords. I can't, I can't say it. There is no other way to get in the fold than through the doorway. Jesus said, I am the door. And if a man comes any other way, he is a thief and a robber. Let pastor tell you something. It's a hill that I'm willing to die on. There is no other way to be saved than to be born again of water and spirit.
I walked into a Denny's one night. I was preaching revival. And I walked into a Denny's with the pastor and his family. And, uh, like, I always preach for people that take me to big-time places. I mean, they're like, hey, man, get whatever you want. You can have the Grand Slam if you want it, you know. Ooh, thank you. 10.30 at night, you're eating. Boy, I just lost half my crowd right there. Y'all ready for some Denny's? Hey, ain't nobody in here wanting moons over my hammy. So anyhow, I walked into Denny's. And uh, you know me, if, if, if you're from here, you know me. I love people. I love to talk to people. And they sat us down on one of them long benches, you know, this from here to that wall right there. And it's chairs on one side and a big long bench and small tables. You can slide and put them together. And uh, so I walk in and I take my seat. And for me to an arm's reach, there's another gentleman sitting there. This was pre-COVID, so it was cool. And I was already in the COVID bubble, so I, ha- I didn't have a mask on. And... Uh, uh, the guy, he was sitting there by himself, and he had his Bible open. And so, I, dummy. Don't know how to keep my mouth shut, dummy. I said, man, that's a good-looking book you're reading right there. He said, yeah, it is. I said, yeah, that's a great book, man. There's life in there. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be, yeah, there's life in there. Yeah, that's, that's a great book. He goes, I'm assuming you guys are Pentecostal. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. He says, you know, you don't have to be born again the way you say we do. I said, oh, really? He said, yep. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you got to be born again of water and spirit, he said, you know, water is when your mom's water broke and and you were birthed. Her water broke. You were born of water. And if you could have seen my brain right then, I was going to shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't say a word. Don't say a word. Don't say a word. Just keep your mouth shut. You can't can't fix it. This. He said, you know when you're born of water is when your mom's water breaks. I was like, well, that stinks. I said, uh, would you mind flipping over there to John 3 for me? Because I want to show you something that's real interesting here. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh... Is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I said, brother, I was born the first time by my mother. But I was born again the second time by my father. I don't want to fuss or fight with nobody. But I'm glad I was born the first time. And I'm really glad I was born again. I want to tell you this morning, there's people blame a lot of things on the way they're born, okay? Y'all take a big, deep breath. I'm not going to get too crazy here. But I just want to tell you, there's people that say, well, I struggle with that because I was born that way. Okay. Science hadn't proved that yet. As a matter of fact, I read a case of identical twins born in the same uh, sack. What do they call that, mother, in the same... You, yeah, whatever that one is. And the same, born in the same stomach, same sack, all that stuff. One of them chose to be straight. The other chose not to be. That, is, that, is that nice? It's not, one of them chose to be straight and one chose not to be. 
Got the same DNA. Were you born that way or not? Right? Share the same DNA. You know what they don't share? The same brain. The same heart. I'm not saying that being ugly. They don't share the... I'm saying that because they don't share the same brain. They share the same DNA. They didn't make the same decision. This is about decision making, not about how you were born. But I'll walk the road with you if that's really what you want to talk about. You were born that way. My dad was a drug addict, so I was born a drug addict. My mom was an alcoholic, so I was born addicted to it. That's all right. We understand. There are chemical addictions that can be transferred. And the sins of the father, yeah, they'll carry on to the third generation. I understand that, and I get it. You may have been born with some issues, but I want to invite you and give you the best invitation you've ever had in your life today that's exactly what Jesus said you must be born again it doesn't matter how you were born it doesn't matter what you had when you've been born again of the water and the spirit you are not the same man that you used to be you're not I've seen pitiful little children born shaking because of decisions that their mother made. But the devil is a liar. You don't have to be an alcoholic because your daddy was. And you don't have to be a drug addict because your mama was. He that the son has set free is free indeed. There's no power like the name of Jesus. If he was a dumb God that set up on a shelf that I had to form with my hands, it'd be one thing. But Joshua said at Shechem, he said, I want to tell you to put away those gods. You know what the problem is with that? It's a sad thing when you got a God that's so little you can put him away. Put that in your pipe. I hate the devil. I hate this. I, I do, man. I hate the stuff he makes us believe that we are so much less than what our Creator created us to be. Listen, here's my question Why would you want to serve a God that you formed with your hands when the God that I serve formed? He formed me with His hands. Not interested. I'm not interested in a God you could put away. Now I'm gonna tell y'all something that's really powerful, and and, and uh, I'm I'm gonna do my best to hurry. But I want to talk to you about idolatry and why it's so scary. People that worshipped idol gods, go back and read history. You'll find this for yourself. I'm not lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. So help me God. The power of idolatry was never in the vessel that they worshipped, okay? Whether it was made of gold, stone, wood, it did not matter. And you've heard, you've heard me tell the story of, of Jewish tradition. that They talk about Abraham and his father, and, and Terah was an idol maker. That was his job. That's what he did. He made idols. And uh, Abraham, uh, they, the story said, and I'll tell it quickly because most of you have heard it, 
that Abraham was working in his father's shop one day and that while his father was gone delivering gods to people, I just, I can't imagine, delivering gods to people, that Abraham wrecked the shop. Like he wrecked it. He tore stuff up, ripped idols off the wall, broke shelves, and when his, when his father walked back in the shop, he said, uh, the, the, the Jewish history said, the story said, that his father walked in and he said, Abraham, why would you do this? And he said, Father, I didn't do that. He said, that, that idol did it. At which point, Terah responds to him, and I think it's amazing that Joshua specifically mentions Terah for this reason. He said, Abram, you know that God can't do that. He said, then why are you still selling them? Are you? That's not in the Bible. That's Jewish history. But we can see that fact alluded to over and over and over. Joshua said, choose this day. If that's what you want, go get it. I mean, if that's what you want, get after it. But here's the thing about idolatry that's so scary. And this is the part that people do not know. When they look at idolatry, they say, yeah, how stupid is that, man? You just take this piece of wood that's carved out and made into an image or whatever, and they put it up on a shelf and they worship it. That's not how it happens. There's an initiation process, literally. Listen to what I'm telling you. It is a fact, if I'm breathing, that they take those gods and they set them up, and then there is an initiation. I'll call it that, an initiation process. I'm not going to walk real deep into this because I don't want any little kids getting scared. But this is what they believe. They pray certain, shall we call it, a blessing over this idol, and that is the invitation for a spirit to indwell that idol. They believe that they make that idol with its mouth open so that that spirit can indwell that idol. And then they don't pray to the model, to the, to the wood. They pray to the spirit that's in that. I'm telling you Bible truth today. It's the way idolatry works. Because there's always more to it than what you see. They would take that God and listen. They would literally design their house around a visual image of that idol. They would set it in what you and I would call the living room. And they would set that idol up on a shelf or a wall. And then they would take their their seats and they would line them up around the room so that everybody in the room sat and stared at that idol that was on the wall. Does that sound familiar? Huh? Now they just come in 60 inches. You can control them by remote. Hey, I, I want to talk to you about this. Listen, when you switch, what are you, what, what are you changing? You switch what? You do what? Channels? Where's that language come from? You're channeling something? We call it TV. What's it stand for? You do what? 
tell a vision. Are we wondering why we're still struggling in our house? When our world is wrapped around it and our children are raised by Smurfs. When I was a boy, they had this show called Bewitched. It was the cutest little old show you've ever seen. Except for the whole show. I didn't know when I was a kid. The entire show was about a witch that cast spells on people. And we're like, oh, isn't she pretty? I'm going to tell you all how this happens. John, the beloved... In the spirit on the Lord's day on Patmos, he's seeing thrones. He's seeing seven-headed beasts with ten horns, one with a wounded head, seeing all that. And he said, and all of a sudden, this woman comes riding up on a horse, and she's drunk with the blood of the saints. It was babbling. And he said, when I looked at her, I looked on her with great admiration. He said, an angel of the Lord had to come down and smite me and say, why are you looking on her with admiration? Because you cannot be spiritual enough for Babylon to not be beautiful when it comes riding by. You have a right to decide the voices that are speaking in your family and the voices that are speaking in your home. Can somebody say amen or owe me? Well, that's just not a hill that I'm willing to die on. So what will the hill look like that you do? I told you a few weeks ago that if, if you look up the names of some of these cartoon characters, they're actually demonic names themselves. Gargamel is a demon god of death. It's, like, it's been right there in front of us all our lives. It's just crazy. And we're like, I don't know, man. My kid's been having nightmares. Oh, I wonder why. Listen, we're all acting like this crazy agenda that's in the earth today, like they got the loudest voice and all, all this. Listen, I'm going to tell you why. It's because we've just let it in and smiled about it. We've literally let the world tell us what we should and shouldn't feel bad about believing in. Oh, my, 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 my. That's tied up in here right now. You, you understand what I'm saying to you? It's amazing how information travels. It doesn't have to be that it's made of wood, that it's made of rock, that it's made of gold. The fact is there's a spirit that indwells that idol. And I want to tell y'all something. It can be with pages of a book. It can be in the things I'm looking at on my phone. And I'm not trying to spook anybody here today. I'm preaching the truth to you. You literally open up a portal that says, I invite you to come dwell in my home. And the things that we watch and the things that we read and the things that we entertain in our home, we're swinging it wide open. Well, pastor, I at least wait till my kids go to sleep before I watch it. Oh, dear God. So what we're saying is then you can't watch it, but mommy and daddy will. 
What's that teach our kids? And then listen, we'll put up with things after they go to bed that we'd smack their mouth or fill their mouth with soap for saying. I just need the choir to come up here and sit so I can preach to the choir. (laughs) You know what? I love my kids enough to die on that hill. I love my kids enough to die. Joshua said, which hill are you going to rest on today? What hill are you going to stand? I'm going to stand on the hill of the righteous, and I'm going to declare it from the mountaintop today. I am on the Lord's side. It's It's not just the vessel. You understand that? This is a plastic bottle. We don't bottle our own water. We just put the labels on there. It looks like it. You realize somebody could take this same bottle right here and they could put some clear vodka in it. I mean, honest. You could put clear vodka in here and nobody out there would even know. I could take this same thing and fill it up with, uh, with, with antifreeze. I can drink it. I can put strychnine in it. I can drink it. The problem has never been the vessel. I've got got a a television in my home. But I don't fill it up with this. You understand what I'm saying? When you walk upstairs in our family room... And it's streaming YouTube. 95% of the time it's going to be one of my kids playing an apostolic church service. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we're past the days of preaching against the vessel. Listen, it does no good to preach against TV. When you're subscribed to Netflix on your phone. People are missing the point. And as soon as they start projecting shows that make Jesus Christ a homosexual and we still invest in that, I'm willing to die on that mountain. I'm sorry. I'm willing to die on that mountain. Because I still believe this word is right. And this book tells me he didn't die for his sin. He died for my sin. Joshua said, I'm calling you back to Shechem. I want to be certain. Listen, here's what Joshua knew. Joshua knew that the people that were with him at Shechem that day had never heard the voice of God at Sinai. They were not present when the law was given to Moses. And Joshua brought them back together. And he, he replays the whole event just like it was the day that uh, Moses received the law. And their parents and their grandparents that heard it and died in the wilderness. They had all been exposed to the truth. They had all been exposed to the law. And Joshua said, I want to make sure before I die that this generation who was never exposed to the truth hears the truth one more time before I die I'm telling you today church I'm going to preach it until the day that I die 
I want your kids to know. I want your grandkids to know. I've had those conversations. What are we going to do when our elders die? We're going to do the same thing that Joshua did. When the elders die and go on, there better be somebody that's still preaching it and somebody that's still teaching it. I'm calling the assembly today to the mountain of God, and I'm asking you, who is on the Lord's side? I was reading a historic account of Joshua's life, and I found this to be very interesting. They said when Joshua was born, nobody took note. But the day that Joshua died, all of Israel took note. It wasn't how he was born, it was how he finished. Joshua finished calling a group of people to renew the covenant that never even knew why they were in the covenant. And that's the danger of us when we quit preaching this in Pentecost. Our kids are not going to know the difference. We better preach it and we better teach it. And what we're preaching at home had better line up with what pastor's preaching in the pulpit. We need to let our kids know there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. I still believe it's truth. I still believe it's righteousness. And I'm willing to die on that hill he said none of you were at Sinai and all of your ancestors that were dead and gone so let me give you a taste of what your forefathers had if you want to serve the gods of your fathers from the other side of the flood then get after it he said but as for me and my house what was he saying? He was saying, even as your leader, and, 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 and I, I need to preach this to you. I'm just about done. Joshua was saying to them, as your leader that has brought you into the promised land, I can't choose for you. You know what, you know what Joshua 24 is, Bishop? It's a hard case against men. Who say, I'm not going to live it anymore. I'm just going to, I'm not going to preach it anymore. I'm just going to live it. It's a hard case against it. Because these guys will get up and, and, and say, no, we're not going to preach standards. We're not going to preach holiness. We're not going to preach. We're not going to preach it from the pulpit anymore. My wife and I are just going to live it. Joshua said, I've already made my choice. As for me and my house, we're going to do it. But I'm going to preach it to you. And I'm going to give you one more opportunity before I die. You're not just going to see me live it. You're going to hear me say it. And I want to say to you today that Sister TJ and I are thankful to be a part of the body of Christ. It's never been a burden to us to be separate and to be holy. But I don't expect you to get it just because we live it. I'm going to preach it and we're going to live it and we're going to declare it from the mountaintop. It's a hill that's worth dying on. I still believe in righteousness. I still believe in holiness. I still believe in separation. I'm going to live it and I'm going to preach it. He said, as for me, I want everybody to just say that with me. As for me, As me. and my house. my house, what are you going to do? Next statement, yours. I, I, I can lead you through the first part. As for me and my house. 
I can't make that call from the pulpit today. You got to make that in your heart. And you got to make that in your home. And you got to make that in your doctrine. And you... It's been important to me from day one. Brother McLean, the first words that all three of my daughters ever heard come out of my mouth was here. Oh, Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. I'll never forget it. The doctor, Lauren was born. And the doctor said, oh, she's a beautiful baby. Dad, do you want her? He wraps her up and hands her to me. And I start crying. And I lean down in her ear. I said, Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Akkad. Lauren Ashley, the Lord our God is one. When Gracelyn was born, they told us, they said, look, we got a team on standby. She's five weeks early. We got a team on standby. They said, Daddy, you can come in the room, but you may not be able to hold her. They said she's too early and her lungs are going to be underdeveloped. And they said, they, they, they told us, they said, look, we got a team on standby that's going to take your little girl to Riley. If she has a hard time breathing when she comes out, we got the team waiting right now. And my wife can tell you, I looked at that doctor right in the eyes and I said I'm not worried about it because I know who's driving this thing my God I feel the Holy Ghost and I want to tell you right now that my wife she pushed and pushed and when that little beautiful curly headed girl came out and the doctor lifted her up by her legs she started screaming bloody murder I said hey doc how about them lungs My little girl that wasn't supposed to be able to breathe, let us know I'm here and I'm mad about it. Is she in children's church? And she ain't quit since. When I say she's in children's church, I don't mean she's in there. I mean she's teaching in there. Isn't that crazy? I got two kids this morning teaching your kids in children's church because their daddy told them when they were born, hear, O Israel. And I tell them every day of their life, hear, O Israel. You know what I did? No, I'm not a Jew. I'm not at all. My, my father is. I'm not a Jew, but I took Deuteronomy 6. It said, put it on the doors of your house. So you know what I did? I got it on my house. When you walk, people walk in, they're like, man, what is that thing? I got this little mezuzah on the door of my house. Inside of that, written in a scroll, handwritten on a kosher scroll, is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. When you walk in the door of my house, you got to walk past the word. When you leave my house to go to the car you got to walk, walk past the word. Why, Pastor? Because I want my girls to know when they get up and go to school, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. When they come home from school, I want them to know. And that's a hill that I'm willing to die on. I wish I could get Jocelyn up here singing for you. She could do it. You really got to have... Drums, I'd have to get Jay up here. No, I'm getting get up here. There's a, there, there's a, uh, there's a, a little uh, course at FPC and Little Rock did, and they, they do this bridge. They got like wonderful Jesus to me. They got it's all in him. Uh, 
I don't know what else on. And then they, they get to the bridge, and they, uh, how's that go? It's, they got the parts, it's all, it's all in him. Then they got the other part. I can't remember how it goes. It's like, it's bada boom, bada bing. It's getting after it. And I love it. My kid, I, I walk in, bless her heart, Jesus' name. From 7 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Brother, we ain't never listen to music like these kids, ever. Get in the shower. It's on high beam, baby. Down the hall. Last night, we had guests sitting in our living room. We're in there trying to talk. And Jocelyn, I said, Jocelyn, didn't they? In there singing. And I, but I can't help it. I'm willing to die on that hill. I listen. It's all, it's all in him. It's all, it's all in him. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all in him. And when we bust out that, them old songs, my kids just sing it. They just, they just know. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He, the Everlasting Father, the King eternally, our wonderful in wisdom, by whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. Well, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, it's all in Him. Yes, it's all in Him. It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in him. I'm willing to die on that hill, baby. I'm going to close my Bible so I can quit. Joshua asked the question, and I'm asking it to you today. What side are you on? Because I, I, I want to tell you something. It's going to surprise some of you folks, okay? I, I tore it apart, and I got to look. I've, I've looked a million times. That's probably hyperbole. I've looked a lot of times, and I ain't found it in there yet. I found something close when I looked in there. They asked Jesus, why are you eating with the publicans? And that's not what I thought it was at first. That's not, that's not the first version of the Republicans. They said, why are you eating with the publicans and the sinners? That's not, I got to looking in here, and Joshua didn't say, which side are you on? You Republican or you a demo? Which one are you? He said, choose this day who you're going to serve. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then you got to make a choice. But as for me, I love you, church, but I can't speak for you today. I can just tell you that as for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Emmanuel, God with us. Jehovah, Lord of hosts. The omnipresent spirit. The Lamb. The, uh, 
Somebody shout, it's all. Come on, somebody shout it. He said, if you want to serve another God, go after it. But I'm going to serve the one true living God. Praise God. Let's stand together this morning. Who's on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Hallelujah. Woo! I can't just say I'm on the Lord's side. I'm going to have to serve him like I'm on his side. There's so much that I could have preached to you today. It seems like I'm always running out of time. But it's amazing. The scripture said that Joshua gave them the question. He preached the word to them, if you would. If I could say it like that. He, he preached the word to them. They made their decision, Bishop. They said, oh, God forbid. We're going to serve the Lord. Joshua said, I can deal with that. And he pulled his feet up in the bed and he died. And the next thing that happened, I found this amazing. If you read it in, that, in chapter 25, he literally closes out a historical chapter in the, in the nation of Israel. Like completely closes it out. Because Joseph said, when Joseph was in Egypt, he said, whatever you do, don't bury my bones in Egypt. He said, don't, don't bury me in Egypt. And when this Pharaoh arose that didn't know Joseph, they took, his, they took his bones and they held it in a, more than likely in some kind of an entombment, held it there, held his box of bones. But when the children of Israel came out into the wilderness, you're going to find it in your Bible that they grabbed Joseph's bones. He was the one that made a way for them there. He started it, got favor with God. And they carried his bones out of Egypt. Then Moses dies. And now Joshua takes him into the promised land. And Joshua dies. And they said after Joshua died at Shechem, they took Joseph's bones and they buried them there at Shechem. He said this is the closing of a chapter. You have no more connection to Egypt whatsoever. Egypt has served its purpose. But now Joseph is buried at the place of your decision. Everything that's connected to your past is buried in the hill at Shechem where you made your decision. I will serve the Lord. I'm disconnecting myself from the gods of Egypt. I'm going to serve the Lord. He said, bury me here. I can be buried right here. Bury me here. Some of you today need to bury your past at a hill. At Calvary's Hill. Some of you need to bow down at Calvary's Hill today and say, Lord, I've made my decision right now. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to bury my past. If you're here today and you want to walk with the Lord and you're going to make your decision, who's on the Lord's side? You've got to answer that question for you today. If you're here and want to make that decision, I would invite you today. These altars are open. Even if right there at your pew, you just want to raise your hands to the Lord and say, God, I give my life to you today. Everything that I am, I give it to you. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to talk with you, Jesus. Come on, somebody reach out and touch the Lord right now. I want to be with you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah.